Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's our goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that help craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and Kate Welker. It is March and we are all about taxes. And so today we want to be talking a little bit about both our progressive tax system and some small business tips. And the reason that we bring up our progressive tax system is because a lot of people don't understand that when we say you're in the 22% tax bracket, that means that part of your income or your last dollar is taxed at that level. But before we get into all that fun conversation, it's Friday when we're recording, which means I've got some wine sitting out on the counter <laughs> for this <laughs> evening. And whenever I think about taxes, I always think about hearty wines. So I searched through the inventory a little bit this morning and I found a Three Brothers Whiskey Barrel Aged Barbera Wine. Three Brothers, for those of you that don't know, is a Finger Lakes winery. And you definitely get the whiskey taste out of this particular wine. So you have to like that bourbon kind of, you know, taste to it. But it's, I don't know, Kate, that's probably something you've never tasted, right? I haven't. And it sounds so intriguing to bring, uh, you know, I like crossover things or you talk about food, like fusion ideas. So I think that sounds uh, intriguing or maybe it's for people who have different palates, maybe don't enjoy wine, but something different, um, you know, heartier, that might be a good, uh, something to try. It's definitely, um, you definitely get the bourbon and to me, it's a sipper, you know, it's one of those wines that you're, you're going to sip a glass of it and it might be like a nightcap or something like that, or it might be, I'm sitting down to do my taxes. I need a sipper. (laughs) A little fortitude. (laughs) Well, in the um, Uncork Your Finances book that I wrote, I paired a port with the tax conversation. So similar, you know, similar (laughs) concept. Yep. So let's dig in. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are intrigued by our tax system just in general. I know this is an area that people are very often very worried about when it comes to tax, you know, taxes in general. Nobody wants to do anything wrong, but they want to, you know, pay just their fair share and not a penny more. Right. So. Mm -hmm. 
let's let's kind of talk a little bit about our just our tax system in general. When when we say a progressive system, let's sort of take a step back. There's like a flat tax, which would be kind of like sales tax, right? Correct. Right. It's a flat percent. And so a lot of our states actually have that that you'll see throughout the country. Um, it doesn't matter how much you make, how little you make, you're going to pay the same percentage. Um, we are close to right. Pennsylvania. They're one as an example I think about quite often. Maryland, I think, is another one that has that. Massachusetts, I think, has mm-hmm. similar. Yeah, so it's just flat. Doesn't matter what you earn. It's across the board. It's whatever the percentage is. Then there's our federal tax system, <laughs> which sort of has a flat tax and sort of has a progressive tax, right? Because capital gains up to a certain amount are a flat, like zero, mm-hmm. 15, or 20. So it's sort of progressive, but it's a flat amount. And then we have our wacky normal income brackets. <laughs> yes, and nothing could be easy with, um, I feel like our tax code, it's all a little bit of this, a little bit of that, just like the taxes. And this is something that, because I have such a, a long background with tax preparation, I started doing it so young, the tax brackets always made sense to me. And Mm -hmm. a little bit naivety on my part, realizing how many people just really don't understand how our tax system works. Um, An example I think about is people calling me sometimes saying, hey, I've been offered a promotion, but I'm scared to take it because it's going to raise my tax bracket. Well, yes, it's going to raise your tax bracket, but that's on your highest money. So I thought we could kind Mm -hmm. of walk through um, and show you how that's taxed because you're going to end up with more money in your pocket at the end of the day still, um, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely what we all would like to do at the end of the day and try to minimize that. But realizing that not all of your new money is going to be taxed at a higher bracket or all of your old money will be taxed at a higher bracket. It steps up. So let's give an example. Let's say that somebody's, first of all, let's even take a step back. There's confusion between, between gross W2, well, <laughs> further step back. There's confusion between what is taxed first. Yes. So for a lot of people, let's take somebody, let's take a couple that earns $200,000 as an example. They earn 200, their gross wages are $200,000, but both of them maximize therefore, and they're, in this example, let's keep it simple. They're under age 50, right? So mm-hmm. there's no catch up or anything like that. And let, and since we're talking about 2001, let's use the limits for, for 2001 because it's just easier. Um, plus I've memorized those. So So each couple would be able to defer if they're maximizing 19,500. So now their taxable income from a W-2 perspective is 161,000, right? So they've gone from gross wages of 200 down to 161 on their W-2. That's what's going to be reported on their W-2. So then when we put that on their tax return, they might have some other income like interest or dividends or capital gains, or maybe they have a small business that they're running on the side. They have other income sources that they might be receiving. That then gives you the adjusted gross income after we add all those things in. Then there's the confusion between the deductions, Mm -hmm. right? So standard deduction versus itemized deductions. If you can take the standard deduction, which most of our clients are doing anymore. Yeah, um, most people I'm encountering as as well with the the new regulations, the higher limit. I think many more people are taking the standard. Standard deduction. And then 
that for a, a, a couple, so it's $12,550 per single individual. And then for a couple, you'd basically just double that. Yeah, I, I believe it's 25100 but I want to say don't quote me on that as I am being recorded. <laughs> it's, it's awful close. <laughs> yeah, um, so yes, it is. It's twenty five one for a married couple. So taking that 161 that we just mentioned, you take that 25,100 off from that. That's your taxable income. Yes. Many people don't think about, as you're saying, those, all those deductions before you even start paying a, you know, a dime of tax. So then we get into the conversation of progressive taxes. Yes. Talk a little about that. So the, with the progressive system, as we're talking about, you kind of step up. And I like the charts that show it um, almost like steps of a stair as you go up the system. So once you get that number that's taxable, again, that's after your pre-tax deductions like retirement, the standard deduction. There are a lot of other deductions. Amy and I could have a four-hour podcast on that we will just we will, we will lump in deductions. Um, but once you get to your taxable income, then you go up the stairs. So the first step is 10%. Uh, I'm going to pull up the joint numbers here. Just use use dollar figures as an example. So your first, uh, this is for 2021, $19,900 of income is taxed at 10%. So on that first roughly $20,000, you are going to pay 10% in income tax. And then, apologize, there's a loud vehicle. Um, from $20,000 to $80,000 roughly, you're going to pay 12% on that taxable income. And we keep going up after the 80-ish thousand, and this goes up to $172,000. You're going to pay 22% tax on that income and in that gap, just from the 80 to the 172. So you get to take advantage of paying 10% on some money and then 12% on some and then 22%. And we go from 24, 32, 35, 37 on up um, through those steps. So instead of saying, example, when I started someone saying, I'm going to get a promotion, it's going to push me into the 32% tax bracket. Maybe they're scared that all of their income will be taxed at 32% and it won't be, they'll still get, you could make, you know, you could have a million dollars of income and you still get to pay 10% on some of it and 12% on some of it. Um, it's just going to be the highest bracket, which currently is 37% Mm -hmm. on those top dollars earned. Mm -hmm. So taking that example that I used, going back to the taxable income of 135.9, a person would pay 21,400-ish in taxes because the first 19-ish would be a 10, the next grouping would be at 12 and then a portion of it would be taxed at 22%. So if anybody's doing the math, you're basically taking um, the first 19.9, like I said, would be $1,900. Then the next group that you'd add in would be at 12%. And then the final portion of your income would be taxed at 22%. All of that adds up to 21,400-ish, which if you divide that by 135.9, the taxable income that I actually said you'd have on your taxable income line, it comes up to an average of about 5.7. So when we talk about tax brackets, we talk about the tax bracket that your last dollar is taxed in, like you said, Kate, the step up. And in this person's case that I just used, their top, the the last part of their income is taxed at 22%, but their effective 
tax bracket, their average tax bracket, or their money is on average taxed at 15.7%. Mm-hmm. This so can be that kind of averages it, right? Yeah. I say this can be quite surprising sometimes speaking with people and our clients because again, they've heard these brackets and they think they're paying so much and they still are paying quite a bit in many cases, but the average rate, when they see that it's, it's surprising, or you can see a light bulb go off. Um, I actually had a call this week that they were really worried. And when we walked through it with the average, like, oh, are you sure? That seems very low. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I am completely sure that is accurate um, on an average. And it, it honestly gave them a little assurance and peace of mind to keep, they're on a chance they could earn more income. And again, that conversation, like, okay, it's okay. That average will go up, but um, again, that you're not paying 32% on all your all your money across the board. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about in this situation, I mentioned W-2s, 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 like I kept saying that. Mm-hmm. So in this couple situation, the case is on average, they pay that 5.7%. But if they were self-employed, there would be a whole nother tax that would be added onto their uh, average tax bracket or their their federal tax bracket. Because what we talked about was just the federal tax bracket. If they were self-employed, they'd have self-employment tax that they would have to add onto that. So that's that in nature is a flat tax rate. Yes, it is. It's a flat 15.3% of your profit. Um, and when we say profit, this is, um, again, with the business owner, you can deduct expenses, but when you get down to your bottom line net profit that is reported as income, that is a flat 15.3% that gets added to the, essentially the end of your tax return. So after you figured out your ordinary income, you are still, that that net income is still included in the ordinary income figure going through the steps. But at the end, you get to add a fun bonus, I call it a bonus tax, of 15.3%. And that is um, to cover the FICA taxes, Social Security and Medicare that if you were working a traditional W-2 um, position, you'd be paying half each week coming out of your paycheck. Your employer pays half. When you're self-employed, you, you pay all of it for yourself into mm-hmm. the system. And that can actually raise someone's average tax bracket. So That's we have seen right. situations where their effective tax bracket might be zero, but their self-employment tax is still the 15.3%. Yeah. So while you were talking, I did a quick mathematical calculation and said, well, what if in the same scenario we were just talking about, what if one of the people in that couple earned 50% of their income and they were self-employed? So basically 6000 or 67950 and we had to add on that 15.3% Social Security and Medicare tax. Well, th- that would allow for, that would add on an additional 10,400-ish in taxes. And so what happens there is their effective tax bracket now becomes, well, their average tax bracket now becomes 31%. Same situation, same amount of income, but, or I shouldn't say same situation, same couple, same amount of income, but shifting some of that income over into a um, self-employment side adds some tax. And in reality, if we really wanted to do sort of the average, you'd have to add into the working, the W-2 couples, that 7.65 percentage, you know, to say this is a side-by-side comparison to what I actually pay. Mm -hmm. But I think people just explaining to people like when they do, like you said, when they're self-employed, it's not apples to apples comparison because you're both employer and employee and it can raise the amount you have to pay in at the end of the year if you don't do estimated taxes. So 
now that we've totally confused everybody on the um, <laughs> the tech system that we have, what are some tips that people can implement both working in a job where it's W-2 and for self-employment? Yeah, working in a job, you know, standard W-2, we'll, I'll start with because it does tend to be a little simpler sometimes, but not always. Um, one thing that's come up a lot this year is since the IRS changed the W-4 withholding form, I have seen a lot of problems with withholding. Uh, unfortunately, the the new forms are a little more confusing. And for years, people got used to saying, when you say, how do you file? They, they would know I'm single and two, married with four, you know, or single and zero. They just knew that their filing status and the exemptions. The new form, the way that also payroll systems are interpreting it, many people are still writing that zero number. And unfortunately, some systems mean to withhold zero. So I have actually had numerous people I saw, you know, last year and then this year that have zero withholdings, which was not their intention at all. Mm. Um, And even getting to that number is a little more complex. So I would suggest um, everyone, again, once you have your return done at the end of the year is a good time to reassess this. Um, But even partway through the year, looking at your paycheck and then using the IRS has a calculator out there you can use. Um, I think you can Google IRS withholding calculator. And you walk through the questions and we'll actually print out a W-4 for you. And I find that they're a lot more accurate. It also lets you put your spouse's income in because your payroll company doesn't know how much your household is making. Just to make that number a little more accurate as a starting point. I'll put that in the show notes so that people can actually go link directly to that that um, tax withholding yes. estimator. And then I like doing estimates throughout the year. Um, this is something if you like math, um, you know, Amy and I kind of are those weird people that enjoy math and spreadsheets and calculations. Uh, you can do a very simple calculation for yourself that just takes your income minus your deductions and then walk through those tax rates. Just get an estimate of where you're at. But if your situation's mostly the same, you can just look at last year's tax return to see what your what your tax was assessed and kind of see what you're withholding as the year goes on. I just think that's a good place to start to kind of keep, um, you know, a handle on what the situation is as the year goes on. And then pre proactive, if something's changing with your income, reach out. If it's not something you're comfortable with, reach out to your, you know, your accountant, your CPA, your advisor, just to, to run it, they can help you run a projection and make any adjustments to see where you're going to end. So up. a mid year check in um, projection would yes. be a good idea. Yes, very good idea. Um, and then just keeping yourself organized. I'm all about tax organization because the better records you keep throughout the year about any possible deductions, the easier at the end of the year it is going to be to find them and not forget. Because we do find a lot of people forget things like, oh, I made a don- donation in January or unemployment. Did you get that this year? I don't remember. Did it end in December? Did it end in January? Were um, your kids in a program you can get a deduction for? Just anything that you think might be a tax related, just keep track of it as you go. So maybe create like a tax folder that you just either virtually or, you know, physically stuff things in throughout the course of the year. And then at the end of the year, you can organize it and does it apply? Does it not apply? Right. Right. That's an excellent way to do it. And I, and I know some people that have done this for years, they just keep it every year. They clean it out, start fresh at the beginning of the year. Um, And then with self-employed individuals, it is a little more complex because you have more things you're tracking. And again, organization is key. Um, finding a system for you to keep track of your records from day one. And by records, I'm, I'm really talking about bookkeeping, income and expenses, because a lot of business owners, all of a sudden they panic January 1st and go back through 12 months of bank statements. And you and I know how many things you're going to forget from a year ago. Um, 
it's, you know, I have had people that can generally remember why they went to, you know, Target on January 2nd, but not most people a year ago to what, what did you buy, especially if they can't find a receipt. Uh, so starting tracking your books from, and especially the first year of business, so many people are unprepared mm-hmm. to handle that side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so establishing a system, whether it's using something like book or QuickBooks software or just a spreadsheet or even the old green ledger books. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. I love those old green ledger books because it's just, it's there. You can, it's in your brain. You can write it down just depending on someone's preference. We have one client that does that. That's uh-huh. how, how they uh, keep their books. And it is meticulous. I mean, she's amazing uh, the way she meticulously keeps those books. I'm always impressed with, and it's so easy to find things. Like in some respects, I really love that system, yes. um, which is what I was raised on. So, you know, it's kind of, for me, it's like, Right. Okay. I don't have to dig and search. I can just go right to those books. And really a lot of, even QuickBooks, if you think of how it's created, it goes back to that, those books. And um, and just people not familiar, when I say green ledger, they used to be green and you'd buy them. You can still buy them in the store. It's like a big pad. But across the top, you put categories. Um, A lot of farmers, I feel like, use these. So I'm going to use farm Mm -hmm. expenses. So it could be supplies, repairs, feed. And then as you spend something, you just say, I went to Tractor Supply is a big farm store in our area. And I bought $30 of feed and you write it. Um, and you just always in have that column. In that, that column. In that food column. Yep. So it's clean and at the and end easy. of the year, yeah. Add it all up. I used to love um, when I worked for Steven Trust Company, it was a different kind of environment, but we used to use those green ledger sheets for things. And I used to love to run the tape. That was like, <laughs> I know it's silly, but, yes. and when I say like, for those of you that are listening, you know, it's what Excel does for us now in seconds, uh-huh. you know, but I used to have one of those adding machines that has the tape and I used to just love, and my husband, um, when we first got together, he's like, how do you do that? You're looking at the actual ledger and your fingers are going uh-huh. on the the calculator. He's like, how do you not look at the calculator? And I'm like, it's the same way people type. Your mm-hmm. fingers get so used to the calculator. But I used to love to do that because um, there's something, and you know, we always ran it twice to make sure that they matched. Yes. And there's just something about um, adding up those columns and being like, okay, like the number, you uh-huh. know, thumbs yeah. up. Um, of course, I try to do it in Excel at all times now because of the time factor, but it's right. the same concept. So whether you do the green ledger on Excel or whether you do the green ledger on true green ledger or whether you do it in QuickBooks, it's about setting up that system early on. And we had a, a client this year, it was her first year of business and she followed that. And how easy was it to pull the numbers together because she had all that right there for us? Yeah, it's it's so nice and clean and it, it's there. It takes less stress away from you. And you can look at it periodically throughout the year and know where you're at quickly yeah. without stressing about getting everything together to, to do an analysis and look at your look at your numbers. Well, those are great tips, I think, for a lot of people. And I know that we're, you know, mid, we're basically on what we have about a month left at this point in time before tax season ends. It's April 18th this year because of Patriots Day or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but, uh, you know, if you haven't started it, we encourage you to get going on it right now. Things get really busy. Your return, um, you know, gets filed. It takes a little bit longer to get your refund if you're getting one. Um, it also gives you a month to plan if you owe. So, you know, it's finding out on April uh, 18th that you owe money isn't great when you have to write the check that particular day. So um, even if you do owe and you know ahead of time, it gives you a little bit of planning opportunity. And if you are a small business, one of the things that sometimes we'll do 
is run some analysis to see if like a SEP IRA or some kind of, you know, that kind of contribution would be beneficial to you. And we will run it as if you are creating a SEP IRA or going to make a SEP IRA contribution, but we'll extend your return so that you have a little time to come up with the money. You still have to make the estimated payment as if you were filing with that SEP contribution, but it gives you a little bit of time to save up for the actual SEP contribution, and then we can file your return by the extension date. So just a little um, idea that I know we've run by some of our clients that have SEP SEP IRAs for their retirement plans within their business. Well, Kate, as always, like you said, we could talk for hours and hours and hours about taxes. It's one of our passions for sure. Um, But we do want to remind people that, you know, there's we the advice that was given today or the ideas that were tossed around today are general in concept. We encourage you to seek out your own tax professional or contact us if you are looking to engage in a financial planning and um, relationship that includes tax planning. We encourage you to share this podcast with your friends that might be interested in like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the fun social media that we have out there. Um, We'd love to hear your questions and uh, where you might be confused about taxes because Kate and I can take a few minutes to record a video and toss that out there to explain it to you. Um, We are always excited to talk about this topic. So we hope your tax season is going well this year. And by the time um, it's all over, we'll be heading into the delightful spring and something to look forward to on that front. So thanks again, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.